If you have your bulletin inside of it, there's an uh, insert that tells the annual themes for the past 18 years. Most of you know I came here in April 1990 to serve as the senior pastor of Bethel Christian Fellowship, and it's my privilege to have been doing that all of these years from then till now. And each year it is my profound privilege to share what we call an annual theme for the year. This theme is more than simply a nice thought. It's um, a prophetic word from God's heart to our heart as a church. In Revelation, it talks about the messenger, the angel of the Lord, coming and speaking to the congregations there. I believe that the Lord still speaks to congregations today. I believe that He still has word to give to His people, a word in season. So this morning, um, building on what we've already received, the rich food that we've had at the table and in worship and in testimony and hearing God's heart, I want to share with you what the Lord put in my heart many, 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 many months ago. There are going to be three main scriptures that we're going to look at. The first is very familiar to, well, they're all familiar scriptures, but the first is one that's familiar for the past several years of Theme Sundays because it's been a prophetic word that the Lord has been speaking to us out of Haggai chapter 2, verses 1 to 9. Haggai 2, 1 to 9. For the last several years, the Lord has given us very specific instruction out of this scripture. So I'm just going to read the scripture and then remind us of the instructions we've received. And I believe a fresh instruction that he's given to us for this time now. On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you. When you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you, do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and the desired of all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine. The gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. And the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. And for the past several years, We've been sort of walking through this prophetically as a congregation as we have received instruction from the Lord. The first thing that we were instructed to do those many years ago, and we recently redid again just this past year, is a ministry audit. How does it look to you now? 
Even as Jesus walked among the lampstands in the book of Revelation examining His church, He still comes and He examines His church and invites us into a posture before Him of looking carefully and discerning what is happening in the life of this congregation. How does it look to you now? We did a what they call in the business world a 360 evaluation, taking and looking at every ministry in our life together as a congregation and examining it before the Lord and asking Him to examine how does it look to you now. The second word that we received was to increase capacity. For the glory of the present will be greater than the former. There is a necessity to increase capacity because what God is intending to do is greater than what He has done even in the past. His house is ever-expanding. And He calls us to increase capacity. Practically, we've responded to that in many ways over the years. Starting a second service, starting then a second campus, a branch work in Minneapolis, and all of the things that have been unfolding as we continue to increase capacity, as we stretch out and lengthen the cords and strengthen the stakes and put the tent pegs out further because we're increasing capacity. Third, step into the traces. Be strong, all you people of the Lord, and work. Be strong, all you people of the Lord, and work. Step into the traces. There's a couple of things related to that. One is the traces are those leather leads that go through a team of horses that keep those team of horses all going in one direction in the same rhythm in the same time, towards the same destination. There is a stepping into that traces. There's the Lord putting us and working us together. There's also the tracings, the ancient path that we prayed about for many, many years. He has set before us an ancient path and traced out a way in for us to walk. Step into the traces. Be strong, people, and work. The fourth instruction that we received was do not fear. Boy, did we hear that this morning in Matt's testimony. My spirit remains among you. Do not be afraid. I was recently talking to a friend. Many of you know Ruben Sequera. And he was sharing about a situation that he was walking through at that particular time. And he said a friend of his reminded him of something, and I want to remind you of it this morning because I think it's such a powerful illustration of this instruction from the Lord to not fear. Many of you have heard of Chuck Yeager. Lots of you have heard of Chuck Yeager. Chuck Yeager was the man who first broke the sound barrier. That ring a bell? Okay. Well, the fact of the matter is, is that before he ever broke the sound barrier, he failed multiple times. Because each time he would get close to the sound barrier in his airplane, as he would get closer and closer to the sound barrier, 
the sound waves would begin to build up denser and thicker and harder. And as his plane was going up against that sound barrier that was there before him, pieces of the plane started coming off. And so he backed off and went back and re-engineered and went, you know, more and more and tried to, you know, they, they streamlined, they did all kinds of things. But finally, on that fateful time when he finally broke through the sound barrier, he got to that place. And, and I don't understand the physics of all of this, but the waves, they're sound waves, they actually... Um, pile up on top of one another more and more and more. And as he got closer and he was there and the plane started shaking and things were going to start coming loose, he made the determination. He said, even if I die, I'm going to go through. And so instead of backing off, he gunned it. And he broke through the sound barrier. And what happened was, as soon as he broke through the sound barrier, he was out in front of the sound waves, and the waves were all behind him and couldn't catch up with him. And it was like smooth as glass. He was just, it was just. This is the word of the Lord to your heart this morning. Because when you get close to that place of breaking through, when you get close to that place where you're going to go through that barrier, right on the brink, on the threshold, all of those voices start to build up in your head. And all of the sound waves and the chatter become almost an impenetrable wall. And the word of the Lord to you this morning is my spirit remains among you. Gun it! And break through. Don't faint. In a little while. Now God's little whiles and our little whiles. God's got a really interesting timepiece, doesn't he? In a little while. I don't know about you, but I've gone through a lot of long little whiles. But the word of the Lord is, do not faint, persevere. How many times have we heard as a word on our back, persevere. Hebrews chapter 10, 35 and following. In a little while, I will come. I will not delay. And if you persevere, do not be among those that shrink back. We're not going to be among those who shrink back. Not us. By God's grace, we will persevere for in a little while. Shift. Now, I won't spend a lot of time here because we've spent a lot of time here. This is where we've been for the last three years. 
This has been the instruction, and it's been the word hanging on the house for three years. A dislodging and a repositioning. An intensifying and an accelerating. This has been the word of the Lord to us for the past many years. That He is shifting. He is shaking. But it is not without purpose. It is not without reason. And the shift that he is doing is not simply sort of at the externals. It's down in the very foundations. He is doing a radical shift. And again, radical is returning to the roots. He's going right down to foundations. He's tilling up the soil. He's going at the roots. He's going at the foundations. Why? Because he has a promise and a purpose and a plan to fulfill in us and for us and through us. Now over the last Two, three years, every once in a while, somebody has said to me, can we please get a new word now? I'm tired of this shift. Can we get something else? I said, well, as soon as the Lord releases one, I will be delighted. Well, I am delighted to share with you that the Lord has released a new word in my spirit. Now, this is not the theme for the year, by the way, for those of you that might be confused about that. This is sort of a a broader backdrop to the theme. But several months ago, the Lord just put this in my spirit. I shared it with the elders, the prophetic council, other leadership. And uh, over and over again, the Lord's just been confirming this word. The word is expect. Expect. The Lord says, I will come, I will fill, I will bless. And our opportunity, our responsibility, our obligation is to simply expect. You know, we have this box up here, and this is connected to the expect. It's the box, ask. You have not because you what? Ask not. Now, I'm not talking about some kind of mechanical prayers. Slot machine God. But I am talking about a passionate, persevering expectancy which looks to the heart of God for all that He intends to do. I have a couple of very specific outworkings of that in my own life and ministry over this past year, which I won't go into detail now, but a couple of times where I very directly and specifically and concretely asked. It was one of those, okay, Daddy. Please listen. I'm asking. 
He has been faithful. I will come. I will fill. I will bless. Let's look at an illustration of this prophetically out of John chapter 11. Go there with me. The scripture will not be up there. Get a Bible in front of you, please. I'm going to go through this very familiar passage and I'm going to go through quickly and make a couple, three quick points. Again, it's foundational. I'm giving you backdrop. I'm giving you big, bigger picture before we get to the very specific and concrete thing the Lord has for us for this year. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. That word there is the kind of love that Matt was talking about this morning. It is that, it is that deep, affectionate love. The, the love that comes out of that relationship. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you there. And yet you are going back? Now there's the fear talking. There's the sound barrier. And Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. Now here's a part that I want you to catch. I don't... This is a fairly enigmatic statement that Jesus is saying here, and And our translations don't get at it particularly well. But when Jesus is talking about the light there, he says, he's talking, the literal phrase is the light of the world there. He uses that phrase. He says, do we not walk in the light of the world? And Jesus has just revealed himself as, I am the light of the world. So Jesus is saying, while we have the light, now there's physical light, there is that light which is around us, which illuminates our day. Not quite 12 hours in the winter, but many places in the world, as it would in the Middle East, it's pretty much a 12-12. While we have that physical light, but even more than that, while we have the light of the revelation of the Lord, We walk in that revelation. Just ponder that and tuck that around somewhere and keep praying into that. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. Now his disciples, who are not yet walking in the fullness of revelation, say, well, Lord, if he sleeps, he's going to get better. This is good. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Now Thomas, called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, well, let us also go, 
great man of faith and valor, that we may die with him. Because we're all going to die. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. And when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Now listen to Martha's response because this is the response that we have from our perspective as human beings. And it is very natural. And it is a very real response. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if only you had been here. If only. My brother wouldn't have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Mary answered, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you're the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher's here, she said, and is asking for you. And when Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, was still at the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, notice how quickly she got up and went out. They, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to mourn there. And when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only... you've been here my brother wouldn't have died we all have those moments in our lives those if only times Lord are you coming why are you delayed have you gotten lost on the way Where are you? Where were you? Why weren't you here? And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He said, come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. Where is the Lord in the midst of the suffering and pain in our lives and in the lives of our world and all around us and we see all of these things? Where is He? He stands with us and weeps. And then the Jews said, See how He loved Him. But some of them said, Well, couldn't He... Not he who opened the eyes of the blind men have kept this man from dying. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. And Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, 
But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And the dead man came out. His hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. This morning, as a prophetic illustration, I believe the Lord wants to build that place of expectancy in us to prepare us for the word that He has for us for this coming year. And so I want to, again, building some foundation stones here in your heart this morning, would you please receive these as from the Lord? As you call out to Him, where are you, Lord? What are you doing? Where are you leading? Where am I going? Where are you? Hear the word of the Lord. God has a bigger promise. He's got a greater promise than where you are at and what you can see from your perspective right now. He has a greater promise. Several years ago, the Lord just captivated me with this scripture in 2 Corinthians. But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in Him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through Him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us and put His Spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Guaranteeing that He will come and fill and bless. And the word the Lord spoke into my heart, which I remind you of again this morning because this is where we live our lives. Because a lot of times I said, God, I don't understand. If all of your promises are yes, why do sometimes they seem to say no? From where I'm standing, it looks like no. And the Lord spoke to my heart and said this, look for my yes behind the no. Look for my yes behind what looks to you to be a no. What looked to be a no of going to Lazarus and healing him became a yes to his resurrection. But one day Lazarus died again and was entered into a greater yes. There is a greater promise, people, that he is working out in your and my life. God has a better plan. He's got a better plan than what you've cooked up and what you're thinking. He's got a better plan. It's even better than you can imagine. 
I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you'll call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from where I carried you into exile. I have plans for you that are better than the plans you've dreamt up for yourselves. They're better, people. He's got a better plan. He's got a bigger purpose. God has a bigger purpose. He's got a bigger purpose. 1 Corinthians 2. However, this was this came up in our prayer yesterday in leadership prayer time. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. But God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except this man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given to us. Oh, people. He's got a bigger purpose. No matter how big we're seeing, God's seeing bigger yet. And how much we need each other. So grateful that He sent Matt and Phil here today and so many others who bring another picture, piece of the picture. So that it keeps growing and expanding. As Carrie has prayed many times, that, that camera, what, what's that word? Ep, 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 aperture? Aperture? Is that the right word? That it be open. The aperture, the opening would open. Light of the Lord. More of your light, Lord. To reveal greater and fuller than we can see right now. The full of your purposes. This brings us to our final scripture for this morning. As pastoral instruction. We've had prophetic instruction and the prophetic illustration. Now there's pastoral instruction that Paul gives that leads us directly this morning into the theme for this year. Ephesians chapter 5. Wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead. And Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then. How you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity. Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. 
Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Four instructions out of this particular passage that I want to present to you and then to share with you the word for this year. The first instruction is to be awake. Wake up. People, it is time. The church in America, the church around the world, it is time. Wake up, arise, shine. Wake up. It's time to wake up. To be attentive, to be available, to be ready, to be prepared. Several years ago, I ran across, and it was in the area of, it was studying into these shifts and different things like that, and, and, and making the shift from planning to preparing. The old model was a model of you made predictions and you planned around those predictions. As if you had any control around the future or that the future was going to be somehow continuous with the past. That's no longer true. Instead of predicting and planning, the Lord is calling us to pray and prepare. Like a surfer... We can't plan the wave, but we can prepare to catch it when it comes. That's what being awake is about. That's what He's calling us to. He's calling us to be prepared. Be awake. All right, what did I do with my... second thing it says here is be wise. Now he uses a phrase here that's very interesting. I don't know how your various translations uh, translate it, but in, in um, the NIV here in Ephesians 5, it translates it this way, and this is a good rendering of this. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. It's interesting, this making the most of every opportunity. That phrase, the the actual Greek words there has to do with buying, the the, the word that, the, (laughs) the backdrop to it is, first of all, he talks about time there. And specifically talks about kairos time. Kairos time is different than chronos time. We have one word for time. Time. But in the Greek there's a couple words. One is chronos, which we get chronological. It is the unfolding of days and minutes, you know, minutes and hours and days and weeks and months and years. It's that chronological passing of time. But there is another word for time. And that is Kairos time, which is 
the kind of time, it's an inbreaking of time. It's a specific strategic moment in time. It's a kairos moment. We use that phrase sometimes to describe a time where there is a specific opportunity that's been given. And the word here is that we're to buy back those times. We're to redeem those times. We're to, we're to take advantage of, we're to utilize, fully utilize each and every one of those kairos moments that God gives to us. That word opportunity, interestingly, is, comes from the Latin ob portu, that phrase, O-B-P-O-R-T-U. And it describes the perfect moment when time and tide converged for a ship to get underway. So when we talk about the opportune time, we're talking about that moment That right moment when urgency and ability come together and there is issuing forth out of that life. Forward movement and motion. Do not be unwise in how you live, but live as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Don't be foolish. Understand what the Lord's will is. Be awake. And be attentive and wise for those opportune moments that He will bring. In order to do any of that, we must be filled. So don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And here's a way in which that then happens as we speak to one another. This morning as we heard testimonies and spiritual songs and all of those things that were coming forth, our hearts were being filled afresh. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Be filled continuously with the Spirit. Because it is only as we are filled that we will have the strength to be wise and alert to be awake and be thankful. This is something the Lord I think is trying to hammer into my heart. I just need to keep listening to Him. Matt, you nailed it this morning. Andrew, in your message last week, you nailed it. That attitude of gratitude, that thankfulness to well up in our spirit, in our soul, in all of these things, in all of the things that God has placed before us. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. All right. Phil, I need you up here for a moment um, to help me if you can. So with all of that backdrop and expect and all of that, um, Amy has sent us a 
a uh, banner from Singapore. And Julie has sent us one from St. Paul. I get to do this again. I get to climb up and uh, now you see him. Now you do. <laughs> so this year, the word of the Lord to Bethel Christian Fellowship. As we are awake and wise, filled and thankful. 2009, a year of... Pull, pull it down there, Phil. Oh, oh, bummer. Oh, no. 2009, a year of opportunity. And we have one more. This is our bulletin from Greta. Next week. I believe the Lord has done And will continue to do his strategic shifting among us. Because he's preparing our hearts for the Kairos moments. And I call you as a congregation individually and corporately this year. I am asking you to wake up and be wise and begin to look for the opportunities that He's going to give. And those opportunities are for His life to flow outside of the four walls of this church. Through the windows, flowing out as the Spirit moves, as the ship sails with passionate... You can't, you'll have to get up close to see. It's great. It's in this. There's the passionate... On the sails, it says passionate... Persevering, and then on the on the uh, hull of the ship, expectancy. With passionate, persevering expectancy, the time, the tide is now. The time is now. It's our season of opportunity in the Lord. What we're doing these next several months in our Sunday evening LEDTS is a direct connection to this word. It's time to step in. It's time to step up. It's time to step out in faith in the Lord and expect.